powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of the Better Than Before show on the C-Suite Radio Network. I'm your host, Coach Tony Richards, and I am happy and proud to announce that the Kansas City Chiefs are the NFL world champions for the second year in a row by winning the 2024 NFL Super Bowl. What a game and what a night, everybody. Today on the show, we have a quote I'm pondering this week. I've got three big ideas for you. I have some stuff from Amazon's Jeff Bezos that I think is interesting. And five ways that you can spot leaders that you can trust. That's all coming up today here on the Better Than Before show with me, Tony Richards. What a game. Wow. Just fantastic. I have to admit. I wouldn't call myself a big Usher fan, but I did enjoy the halftime show in the game last night. I didn't recognize a lot of the songs, but it was pretty good. And not like halftime shows in the past where I've just hit mute and either got up and did some stuff around the house or took care of some chores or turned something else on while the halftime show was on. I I enjoyed it. And boy, two different football games in the first half and the second half. The first half started out slow and methodical, especially on the Chiefs' part. And the second half, the Chiefs just turned up the defense and found their rhythm on offense and brought home the Vince Lombardi trophy to Kansas City for the third time in four years. I noticed Andy Reid did not do this, but I don't know that I would start talking three-peat quite yet, fellas. You know, I'm not for giving other teams extra incentives to beat us because they want to beat us pretty bad now for sure. And then when you start talking three-peat, I mean, you just make that target on your back even bigger for those other teams who just live to knock you off next season. So... You earn the right to do and say whatever you want, but I don't know if I'd be going that far quite yet. We'll see how it unfolds next year. I was very proud of Andy Reid, especially the way he handled the question in the press conference about Travis Kelsey bumping him on the sidelines. So you may not know this, but the producer at CBS for the Super Bowl he had laid out a strategy where, and had been doing this all through the playoffs for sure, and even kind of toward the end of the regular season where they had a camera specifically assigned to Travis Kelsey and one specifically assigned to Taylor Swift so that the director of the show can go to those cameras anytime they want to so they can catch them on camera because – 
the amount of brand value that has been added to the Kansas City Chiefs and also to CBS and also to the NFL is in the high millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in additional brand value has been added with the Kelsey Swift romance. And so they want to be able to go to them and show them because it's very tangibly increased the ratings. It's very tangibly increased the merchandise sales. And the Swifties, when they do something, it moves the needle. And the Chiefs and the NFL and CBS are all, all, all very, very happy to have the Swifties learn about the game of football and become football fans because Taylor's boyfriend plays football and he plays for the Chiefs and he plays on CBS. So those three entities, the Chiefs, the CBS Network, and the NFL are all pleased as punch that this has happened, and they are going to capitalize on it to the nth degree. And I admire them for that because in business, hey, when fortune smiles on you, you smile back. You embrace it. You take it in. You don't curl your lip and say, oh, I can't believe that. I mean, when Travis Kelsey bumped Coach Reed in the Super Bowl yesterday, my Twitter just blew up, just blew up. People saying, oh, that's so disrespectful. That's his head coach. Oh, my gosh. He just, you know, it's the ego on that guy, you know, and bench his ass and all kinds of just malarkey on Twitter because these Twitter people and social media folks got scheidenfreud about Travis and Taylor and, you know, just don't like anyone who's successful to begin with. You know, anyone who makes a, a large amount of money, anyone who's successful, anyone who's happy, anyone who adds value, that brings the grumblers out. You know, if they're getting paid that amount of money and he's bumping the head coat, well, what difference does it make? You know, if you have a principle that you're standing by that you think it's disrespectful, what difference does it make if he makes $20 million a year, if he makes $5 a year, if you think that's the principle? So that's where it reveals itself that they just got a problem with people who are successful and make a lot of money and are in the public spotlight. And, you know, so they got to launch out with their tirade on social media. And that is the one bad thing about social media is that it provides a platform for those people. And it also provides for a lot of people, especially in forums and discord servers and Twitter People that use the fake handles and the fake names and the, you know, Kelsey Hater 22 or whatever. Kelsey Hater 87, I guess, would be a better name. But, you know, they hide behind that stuff and get very brave about the things that they say. Just crazy. But anyway, I was so proud of Coach Reed in the press conference when he said, you know, Trav is just, and he called him Trav. So you know he's got a father-son kind of relationship with the guy. He drafted both Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, and when he was the head coach and was running the Philadelphia Eagles, he drafted Jason, his brother. So he's very close with the family. He knows those guys inside and out. I mean, if you saw Jason Kelsey strip off his shirt at the Buffalo game and 
up in the suite and do the conquering Viking pose when the Chiefs were winning, you know these guys are just that way. I mean, they're just over-the-top personalities with a lot of fire and a lot of passion. And Coach Reed's very aware of that. He said, you know, it's not the first time it's happened. You know, Trav has bumped me before. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't care if he bumped me past the 50. He just passionate, wants to be in the game, wants to help the team, wants to, you know, he was saying, I would just put me in, I can score. And he's like, I wouldn't change that for anything. And so he turned it all into a positive. He's not going to. He's not going to break the trust of that player by saying something negative or putting them in their place or something like that. It was the second question in the press conference. This guy has just coached a team to win three out of the last four Super Bowls and two in a row. And the second question was, what was it all about when Travis Kelsey bumped you on the sideline? That's the second question the media could think to ask in a moment like that. And he just handled it like the pro that he is. Way to go, Coach Reed. I love you, man. I hope you're in Kansas City as long as you want to coach and maybe stay even longer if if you get to a point where you're not coaching on the field. Just stay in Kansas City with us. We love it. Quote I'm pondering this week. Oh, before that, too, happy birthday to my mom. She turned 80 yesterday on February 11th. Shirley in Lola, Kentucky, turned 80 yesterday. And I am just so proud of my mom. Those of you who get the Monday morning memo, I wrote a little tribute to my mom as it pertains to transition, as it pertains to pain in your life, as it pertains to going from one situation in your life to another and managing that transition well. I cover all that in this week's Monday morning memo. And my mom is a tough, tough, determined lady. And I think she has more confidence now than she's had in her whole life. And so I'm just proud of her for that. Happy birthday, Mom. And I hope you have many, many more with us. All right, quote I'm pondering this week, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I'm not feeling it. I believe in God even when he's silent. And that is by someone who is unknown. So I don't know who said it or where it came from, so I can't credit it, but I love that quote. Because... That's the way to live. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in love, even when I'm not feeling it. And I believe in God, even when he's silent. All right, let's look at three big ideas from me this week. Big idea number one, it's usually more important to be in the right room than to be the smartest person in the room. Boy, isn't that the truth? Who wants to be the smartest person in the room? I don't. Because if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I think it's more important to be in the right room where you got a lot of people smarter than you, who's more experienced than you, giving you the ability to be grateful to be able to be in that room. And you're paying attention and you're listening because great stuff is flying around at 90 to nothing. And I just hope you can capture some of it when that happens to you. It's more important to be in the right room than to be the smartest person in the room. Big idea number two, don't think of putting together a single execution plan. Execution planning is not an event once and for all. Create execution plans on a regular basis so you can learn as you adjust and gather newer and latest data. So you put an execution plan together, that 
plan is not meant to be set in stone. You want to write your execution plan in pencil because you may want to change. You may want to erase part of that and put in some new stuff because you should be learning all the time. And the more you make adjustments, Andy Reid, speaking of Andy, Coach Andy with the Kansas City Chiefs, he simplified the game plan. The play they ran to win the Super Bowl was a play they ran last year in the Super Bowl, and they had not run it all year since then, called Corn Dog, I believe is what they call that play. And that just goes to show you, you hold some things in your back pocket so that you can pull them out, you know, when necessary, and you can execute them when the timing is right, rather than just put it all down and it's everything you know and you have this big plan you're trying to move forward. Anybody can make things more complex. It takes a real genius to make things simple. And so the more execution plans you put together, the more you learn how to be simple. Big idea number three, most people are uncomfortable with silence, especially in the presence of others, and they'll usually continue to talk. As long as you continue to hold your tongue, you have options. You can either let them wear out their energy or you can redirect the conversation. Being a listener and remaining silent gives you greater authority and more options. And boy, it's true. I used to say this in workshops and it would always get a laugh, but there would be times when people would come to my office when I was directly managing people back in the day, they'd come to my office and just talk. And they'd say, I need to get your opinion on something, or I need an answer on something. And they would talk and talk and talk and talk until they talked themselves into the answer. And then they'd get up and go, well, thanks for the talk and leave. And I hadn't said five words. So when you can remain comfortable with silence and you can hold your tongue, it makes you a great listener. It also really helps you in business development and your being uncomfortable with silence causes you to break the silence by talking. And I used to say this all the time too. First one talks loses. The first one who talks loses. And so you have to be able to sit there and hold your tongue and let the other person talk, especially if it's in a business development situation and you have a prospect or a client, you need to be listening to them and you need to be asking very good, clarified, short questions that is going to pull things that are of great importance from your client so you can learn how to serve them the best. A lot of people think, well, Business development and sales is all about going in there and talking about all your stuff and talking about all your products and talking about all your services and having folders and portfolios and things that you can spread out on the desk. And No, it's not. It's really not. Don't go in there with anything but a notepad and a pen to take notes and maybe a business card to hand out. That's all you need. You don't need any materials you don't need any portfolios. You don't need any one-sheeters. You don't need any of that stuff. What you need is patience and a willingness and a desire to listen. That's what you need. Okay, those are the three big ideas for the week. All right, Jeff Bezos. What do I got for you from Jeff Bezos this week? Well, Jeff Bezos... You know, everyone reads, or I don't think everyone does, but there's some of us who just live, and it'll be coming out soon, Warren Buffett's annual letter. 
to the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders is something that I read every year and a lot of people that I have relationship with read every year. But I would say that right after that, Jamie Dimon's annual letter at J.P. Morgan Chase and Jeff Bezos' annual letter to the Amazon shareholders is just some of my favorites. I mean, Bezos has written an annual letter to the shareholders of Amazon every year since 1997. All those are published in a book that you can buy called Invent and Wonder. Amazon has grown like crazy over the last 30 years. Started out as a website that just sold books. And now it's like this huge digital marketplace that is an everything store. And it also is a leading provider with AWS of cloud services, video streaming, digital content. And it's the fifth most valuable company in the world with a market capital of about $1.8 trillion. And in his 2018 letter to shareholders, Bezos says that a key to Amazon's success is that its culture encourages employees to be curious and invent and approach business with a beginner's mind because the path to success is anything but straight. And when I'm teaching the levels of listening, the highest level of listening that a human being can engage in is beginner's mind. Bezos says success requires iteration, invent, launch, reinvent, relaunch, start over, invent, launch, reinvent, relaunch, start over, rinse, repeat again, again. Moving forward requires experimentation and failure. And that's where wandering comes in. I'm going to read you a section of this 2018 letter. He says, sometimes in business, you do know where you're going. And when you do, you can be efficient. You put in place a plan and you execute it. In contrast, wandering in business is not efficient, but it's also not random. It's guided by hunch, gut, intuition, curiosity, and powered by a deep conviction that the prize for customers is big enough and that it's worth being a little messy and tangential to find out how to get there. Wandering is an essential counterbalance to efficiency. You need to have both. The outsized discoveries, the nonlinear ones, are highly likely to require wandering. So it's best to have two tracks, one based on strict planning and strategy and another based on wandering around and discovery. It's a great notion for businesses, but it's good advice for our personal lives and careers also, I'm thinking. We should have plans, but also wander and explore, search out new experiences and opportunities, engage in trial and error, be open to failing. There's no way I could have planned out my career I've had two or three very successful careers, but there's no way I could have planned out any of them in advance. I started my career in broadcasting and in music programming, and then I moved into management, and then I moved into upper-level management. So looking back, it drives home this idea that planning will only take you so far. I wandered from broadcasting and being on the air to music programming of 
one format and then music programming in a bunch of different formats. And a format is the type of music or the type of programming that station gives you, right? So country, rock, classic rock, top 40, adult contemporary, news talk, sports. And so you wandered from there into upper level management, got involved in mergers and acquisitions, got involved in finance, got involved in engineering and technical stuff, got involved in advertising and brand and marketing and got involved in strategy from a big time and then got involved in coaching and advising other CEOs and just wandered around and found my way through a couple of really successful careers. And when I reflect back on it, I'm just so glad that I wandered because I wandered my way into a really great life and a lot of success rather than staying rigid. I had an appointment with a with an eye doctor the other day. I'd never seen him before. It was our first time visit. And we got to talking, and he went to engineering school at the University of Missouri for four years. And just a couple of months before graduation, he decided he didn't want to be an engineer. And he changed and became an optometrist. Now, what most people would have done, would they would have been so attached to all the work and the labor they had put in the previous four years they wouldn't have had the courage to change. They would say, well, I've got all this work invested and I, I put all this work in and I studied so hard and I went to class and I passed the tests and I can't change now. And he did not let that be a barrier to him. His personal fulfillment and happiness was more important than the four years of work that he invested. So he made a decision to change. He wandered into something else. Just so impressed with somebody like that. Okay, so five ways you can tell if a leader can be trusted. If you subscribe to the Monday Morning Memo, I send it out every Monday morning, and it comes out usually close to 10 o'clock. This week's was just a little later than normal, but it usually comes out every Monday morning, and it will come to your inbox. If you want to subscribe, you can go to our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. It's the homepage, and at the bottom of the homepage, there's a box. You can put your email address in, hit the button, and that's all there is to it. You're signed up, and the Monday morning memo will hit your inbox every single Monday morning. And in this week's memo, I actually have a full list of 20 things that you can look and use for leaders that can be trusted. I'm cutting it down to five for the podcast today, just for time's sake. And you can look at the rest of them on the memo. And if you don't get it, you can go to the website and sign up for it. All right, here's number one. They treat waiters and waitresses with kindness and respect. How do they treat rental cars and hotel rooms? And I've always kept this one in the list because... I fired a consultant that we had in one of our companies one time because they were extremely pompous and rude to this waitress. And you may or may not know, or I guess the right thing to say is server, but it was a female and she was young. She was obviously a college student, live in a college town here in Columbia, Missouri. So a lot of college 
students are working jobs like serving and grocery store and that kind of thing. And they're just, you know, trying to make some monies to pay for their school and buy groceries and stuff. And this guy's from California, and he is asking about wine on the menu at this restaurant, and he is being a pompous butt. I mean, he's saying, well, do you know the difference between a Robert Mondavi and a C.K. Mondavi wine? And obviously the girl didn't know. And, well, you're working in this restaurant, and you don't. And I thought, oh, man, I can't wait for this dinner to be over. The next day when he came in to talk, I fired him. I'm like, I just can't work with somebody that treats people that way. I'm sorry. We're done. So one way you can spot leaders that you can trust Watch how they treat other people. Watch how they treat janitors. Watch how they treat people. If you have an opportunity to be in a nice upscale place that has washroom attendants, watch how they treat them. Watch how they treat the baggage people at the hotel or the airport. Watch how they treat young people who are Uber drivers. And I mean, that's all important. That's all very important because... If you treat them with disrespect, you obviously think you're better than anybody else and you're going to treat, at at some point, they're going to treat you with disrespect. So number two, they move toward relationship rather than isolation. You know, there are some people who they don't develop any new relationships. They just want to stick with the old ones they have and they will work with those old relationships and new relationships make them nervous. And then there are some people that just won't do new relationships at all. They won't do any relationships at all. They would rather be a lone wolf on the prairie. And those people do get into management and leadership positions at times, sometimes at a very high level. And they're not people who trust other people. Therefore, they're not going to be people that you can trust or that are going to foster a culture of trust. So if they're the kind of people that can't develop relationship and they move toward either their old ones, previous relationships, or they don't form relationships at all, you better stick away from them. And they, you know, they're low on the trust side. Number three, they exhibit tender hearts and tenacious wills. Now this is an interesting combination Even though they're strong-willed, they have humility about themselves. I mean, you learn this as first principle in level five leadership and good to great, that people have extremely strong willpower, but they have a lot of humility. They're very humble. And so you can be a very strong person, and you can be very strong in your determination and in your willpower without being a jerk, without being a jerk. So... Leaders you can trust exhibit tender hearts and tenacious wills. Number four, they listen eagerly, they listen actively, and they listen openly. We talked about the levels of listening earlier. So there's three strong descriptors for a very good listener, eagerly, actively, and openly. Active listening, for some people, is very difficult. They're either distracted with their focus or they cut you off in conversation or they stare off into space or they read their email while you're talking to them or they get text message or they get phone call or they're knocked off and distracted easily. 
So here's five questions you can ask about an eager, active, and open listener if you think they're that. Number one, what are they reading? Because an eager, active, and open listener likes to learn. That is why they have good listening skills. They like to learn. So what are they reading lately? Ask them, what's a good book you've just read? And when did you last read it? Number two, what have they recently learned? What are you learning? These are questions I ask my clients almost every session we have. Number three, how has their thinking changed? Thinking is a really strong, important component because everything starts in your thinking. Your thoughts are not facts. However, if you go through the progression, it's thinking, speaking, action, habits, character, destination, and destiny. So everything starts with thinking. Thinking becomes speaking. Speaking becomes action. Actions become habits. Habits determine character, and character determines your destiny and your destination. So how has your thinking changed? What is their ratio of speaking to listening? And it should be around 70-30. 70% listening, 30% speaking. And how often do they ask questions? And what kinds of questions do they ask? So those are the five questions to ask for a listener who is eager, active, and open. What are they reading? What have they learned? How's their thinking changed? What is their ratio of speaking to listening? Should be 70-30. Listening 70, speaking 30%. And five, how often do they ask questions and what kind of questions do they ask? And then finally, number five way that you can spot a leader you can trust is they take accountability. I mean, just a huge component here, taking accountability. And there are three questions here on taking accountability. Number one, have you heard them say they screwed up? Have you heard them personally say, I messed that up. I screwed that up. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Number two, when is the last time they apologized? When did they say, I have to give you my apology because whatever it was, right? Or I'm sorry. The five hardest words for most people to say is, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And then the third question around accountability is, how do they respond when their people make mistakes? So again, I go back to the story I told here, the comment I made right here at the beginning of the podcast, how Andy Reid responded to Travis Kelsey bumping him on the sideline. Obviously, that was a mistake because it drew attention in the Super Bowl. The whole audience who watching the game, millions and millions of people's attention were focused on Travis Kelsey running into and bumping Coach Reed on the sideline. It had nothing to do with the game, and it was probably best left out. They had to do it all over again. It would have been better if he hadn't done it, right? But how did Andy Reed respond? He said, that guy's passionate. He wants to be in the game. He wants to be playing. He wants to be helping us win. He wants to help us score. So you can trust that guy because that's how he responded when his player made a mistake. I mean, because it was a mistake, right? And then Coach Reed had the appropriate response to it in the press conference. So taking accountability. Have you heard them say they screwed up? When was the last time they apologized for something? What was it? And three, how do they respond when their people 
make mistakes. So those are five ways you can spot leaders you can trust. Like I said, get the Monday morning memo. There's a full list of 20 items in there this week, 15 more that we just don't have time to go into here on today's show. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. You can come to Facebook and join my free group, Tony Richards Speaker, Author, Coach, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And of course, I am Tony Richards. Special thanks as always to our producer, Tessa Hall, who always makes these programs sound so good. We're in our seventh year of putting out this Better Than Before show. And Tessa does a great job of assembling it and putting it together so you can have it to listen to every week. Until we come back here this same time next week, we drop every Tuesday morning right here where you get your podcast. I'm Tony Richards reminding you, until next week, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.